2: Supported by TheGeldedEnd.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to TheGeldedEnd.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine,
3: read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit TheSquareBall.net. A new start, a new broom, new shoes new hair, a new formation, a new kind of chocolate with a surprise, a new defense, a new Michael Brown, a new feeling and it feels good. And all we changed was the manager. Hello to you. Welcome to podcast 46 and I'm joined by Michael. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. We are in the throes of putting together issue eight of our fanzine. It's got a lovely cover with Neil Warnock on it. And if you want to get hold of the last few remaining copies of issue seven, that'll be on sale along with the new issue at Ellen Road against West Ham at the weekend. And as always, if you can't get to Ellen Road, you want to buy it online, you can do that either in paper or digital form. That is at the (laughs) squareball.net. Part one, let's get into it straight away. Then this is white watching and the first home match in Neil Warnock's reign at Ellen Road against Southampton on Sky. I predicted we were going to win all three of these games, and... You've not been at all, correct? No, but I wasn't a million miles off because we absolutely pagged Southampton. Didn't win. Didn't win. You're still wrong. Nope. I, feel it was, I feel it was a moral victory for me, saying that we'd win. Because what about we, Hull? Was that a moral victory as well? Almost. <laughs> There's nothing moral in Hull. No, we did. We, we absolutely pummeled Southampton, didn't we? Very unlucky to uh, to lose that game. Yeah. Or, as Colin... Put it to Adkins at the end. Well, he's not very (laughs) child-friendly.
2: I'm sure he's lovely to his own kids and to the kids of his friends. But, uh, yeah, Sky Sports, it's early Saturday Saturday evening. You're watching a little football with the children. And, well, that was an exciting game. Oh, I wonder if we can hear what the managers say to each other. I'm sure they'll be wishing each other all the best. And you get Warner going, fuck knows how you've won that. (laughs) (laughs) Turning the air blue. Oh,
3: imagine swear words at football. Whatever next. next? Middlesbrough
2: on the BBC. They were apologising. For he was just yelling, fucking run, fucking run. At uh, I think it was Brownie, <laughs> and again, I mean, Brownies, they're only 11, I think they're not even girl guides yet. And to be <laughs> yelling at them to fucking, run! you want to, yes, very you good, want, very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, we, see what I'm, we get it back to Southampton. If only now. we still had a yellow away kit, we could, it would be even more a point with brown shorts
3: for the second or third time. We absolutely pummeled Southampton, didn't we? <laughs> we did, but.
1: We still can't defend, was what I took from that game. It's since improved, obviously, but I think the goal that they scored was very much in keeping with most of the goals we've conceded this year, where you're just thinking,
4: where are they? Why is no one near him? Why are spaces? <laughs> they were just admiring that cross and the knockdown. Oh, that's, then, that's a good ball. Look yeah, at that. Yeah, look at that. Like how we do stuff like that?
2: <laughs> Turned around to one of the strikers They're bloody hell, this, this gentleman's Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Don't see many of them in Yorkshire. And then... Nodded it back to uh, to the best striker in the division, and he could write the rest. But to only to keep the best striker in the division down to just one,
3: and it was a it was a slight lapse in concentration. We've had systematic lapses in concentration for most of the season, but in this instance, at least it was they switched off once. All right, we conceded, and we were very unlucky not to score. I thought
2: before we move on to our misfortune not to score, there were a couple of other times when Southampton broke away, and there were where, are
3: they, where have they all gone?
2: And oh, they. Running at his own goal is never something you want to see, but But he got away with it. He
3: hadn't got his superpowers by then, and he obviously. But we will will get to that when we get to Middlesbrough shortly. You said Moscow. You weren't really looking forward to the rest of the season. How do you think we fared? Because uh, we had a criticism on Twitter that we were a little bit anti-Warnock in the last podcast. Do you think that was a fair comment? Because um, I thought we played really well in this. In terms of being crap at the back, we did all right against the, you know, the top side in the league.
2: You should press me on this question when we get to Middlesbrough so, cuz I wasn't too keen on this game. I wasn't sure what everybody was going on about cuz I watched it and the last 20 minutes or 25 minutes when we were creating a lot of sort of frantic chances. All we were doing was giving Clayton the ball in the centre circle and he was just chipping it into the penalty area where there were 30 or 40 players, <laughs> hoping that Becchio would get his head on it. And then a few times he did, and we'd, we'd get to the second ball and there'd be a scramble. But again, because there were 20 or 30 players, it never actually looked to me like we were going to score. Becchio was incredibly close with the shot that sh- he should have saved. scored. Yeah. I think
1: it was actually going wide. It made it. Made it look like a very good save, but due to the angle he yeah. was coming in at, I think it would probably have gone out for a throw-in if it hadn't hit anyone.
2: And then there was Tom Lees as well, but we never made a chance like the chance that Southampton had, where Lambert was never going to miss that because he had all the time in the world. Where they just and pulled it, us apart and just Yeah, and scored. it was just constantly in the mixer, but, in the mixer. Yeah. And we're better than that.
3: Yeah, no, but are we? Because we might have better intentions going forward, but in terms of being organised and doing you know, the ugly part of the game well, closing down, uh, the effort, tempo, pressing, all those things that have been absent for parts of the season where we've lacked shape and organisation.
1: And to be fair, the, you create nice chances like Southampton's when the game's a bit more stretched. This was, well, they were time-wasting in the first half. Pretty much once they scored, they had every single player back. Well, that's and the time you have to stretch not, it. There's not the same gaps there when every, when there's no one on their side interested in attacking. You, well, you're not going to
2: make any gaps if you just give it, to your midfielder and you just let him chip it into the box. Yeah,
3: but if they're being compact, we can't complain when that's we're the defending we in conversation. We've got to. Well, yeah, that's when we're, you've we're got trying to, try to batter, get we're trying to get
1: through a dense wall, and the only way to get through it is to batter through it. Well, no. Well,
2: another an alternative way is to go around the back. You there can hold not, and give. You can't get around this. Well, you'd, um, it would have been nice to try. It just seemed like that wasn't going to work. So, giving it. But it nearly did.
1: It should have done.
2: Weber, had, Weber sure. had
3: chances, Becky had chances. Yeah, it might be slightly more industrial, but we can't complain when we're creating chances against a very good team that has been built over the course of a couple of seasons and has grown together. You know, and and there's that added to their squad where we're churning players for fun and getting rid of them and signing another shithouse freebie, mm-hmm. whereas they built this squad, invested in it, and but none we of matched the- them and we, were, we overpowered them. None of that's
2: different in terms of our squad and, and who's there from earlier in the season. And earlier in the season, we used to score goals. We quite got often. absolutely.
1: At Southampton, though. Yeah, that was first day of the season. We were we a completely different league to them. And, some, then,
3: and uh, so sometimes, though, you're going to have to try and win games by brute force, which is something we haven't done for ages. And they were defending quite deep, so it's hard to get around the back of them when they're
4: virtually defending on the 18 yard box. Like, there's that one shot where there's, I think, everyone apart from Lonergan is in the six yard box. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so then you've got to come up with something a bit more crafty than there's just do, putting though. it in and the unless air. actually going to suggest how close other people, will, how people close grab you. <laughs> them and drag them no, out of the if area. If there's nothing
3: you can do... How close do you want it to the six-yard box? If, if there's I?
2: nothing you can do, all every team would do is score one and then put all ten players in the penalty box and just stand there because if there's nothing you can do, you say, oh, well, we've scored now so let's flow for full time and that's it because you can't score because we'll just stand in the penalty box. Oh, you can. You can get round them. You can do it other ways and as I said, this will make me sound like a Warnock-hating Grinch, but if you get me to the Middlesbrough game, I'll be a little bit more forthright. It's just, I came away from the Southampton game thinking I wasn't quite as chuffed with it as a lot of people seem to be because, yes, it was effort. Yes, it was industry. Yes, there was a lot of scrambles, but there was not much intelligence. And when we've got players like McCormack and Snodgrass and Clayton, who are clever players, seeing it was seeing Clayton reduced to just constant lobs that I think irked me most when I would have liked to see him use his brain a little bit more
4: yeah but we did have the effort and the tempo and closing down that we've been crying out for all season we've been fine it wasn't just the final the ball it was but the, look. We, look we how many go, times have we are look, look, look,
3: we can go around on this in circles on this forever and we, we've got limited time so let's draw one positive I've got all night <laughs> Let's draw one positive from... Uh, we drew
2: lots of positives. It's very good. I wasn't uh, one, one
3: particular positive was the atmosphere. Despite it being a bit of a crap crowd, it was a real buzz about the place, wasn't there? Because the team were... Well, they were doing enough to lift the crowd, which is something we've complained about. The team never performs, so the crowd stays flat, which in turn makes it harder to play and pressure grows. Whereas in this case, they were all pulled together... In the mixer sometimes. All right, it was a bit industrial, wasn't pretty, but the crowd responded to the battering ram approach. And maybe that's what's needed a little bit at Ellen Road.
1: I certainly approve of having a decent atmosphere because it's been no fun going to Ellen Road this season because it's just been
3: quiet and full of misery. Let's move on then onto the next game, the whole game, speaking of misery. Yeah,
1: this was shit, move we on. <laughs> well, we
3: we did almost preempt it last time, didn't we, by saying they'd got, was it 3 nil nils out of the previous four games? And no surprise then for this to end up as a goalless draw. We didn't get the customary Stodgrass free kick. It's a
2: funny one. I mean, it was fair enough to say that we couldn't score past Southampton with everything going on there. But I think this kind of bore it out a little bit that it wasn't, we weren't going to get past Hull's defence by just doing what we were doing either. And what was the result against Hull earlier in the season? I genuinely can't we remember. We thumped them, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. How many? Was it 4-1? It one, one, yeah. So we, we beat them 4-1 earlier in the season with our terrible team that never performs. And yet now, with our brand new exciting forward-looking tactics, ground out a nil-nil draw. Well,
3: to, I want to come to you, Moscow, about this because you posted something on the Square Ball forum mm. about was I drunk? How, how you've I probably di- drunk. How you've dissected what has happened that you think that under Grayson we were a bit more carefree, uh, attack-minded, whereas Warnock's come in and he's made us a little bit more defensive. So perhaps that's now happening at the expense of scoring goals. Yeah.
2: I I think it's it's fair enough. I think you can you can sort of look at our squad and you can do one or the other. You can either do what Warnock's done and you can shift Clayton and Brown right in front of the defence and keep everything simpler in terms of just like O'Day is no longer trying to play it into midfield, he's just whacking it long, which is fair enough. Um and you can do that and you won't concede, but you won't you naturally will not score as many. Whereas Grayson looked at his squad and thought, Snodgrass, Clayton, Becchio McCormack, Halston when he was here. Gradle Gradel at the very start of the season. I thought, well, fuck it. We may as well just go for it. And if we concede goals, hopefully we'll score more. And both tactics have their merits because, I mean, from the, the Grayson point of view, we spanked Hull 4-0. We spanked Nottingham Forest 4-0. We had a few of the big wins, but then at the same time, we had the Preston ridiculousness and the Barnsley awfulness and the Blackpool disaster. Warnock, same thing. It's a There's a, an upside and a downside. The upside is we're not conceding anymore. The downside is it took us until Middlesbrough to actually score a goal. So, I think
3: Hull was 4-1, by the way. You said 4-0. Well, 4-2
2: was... Yeah, either way, Anyway, it was a thumping victory. Is
3: is it not a good starting point, though, that we need to get organised and a little bit less erratic? Because the erratic thing hasn't worked because, as Michael just said, atmosphere has been terrible at Ellen Road. The, the level of pressure contributes to that. So maybe seeing a, a tighter unit that maybe isn't as carefree and attacking is an important first I think, step. I think
1: you're painting Grayson's leads as a some kind of Barcelona in the way no, you described it. No, I don't it, mean though, to. It was, we did quite often play... Crap football. I mean, mm. against against Southampton away, for example, when we were outclassed, it was awful. Barnsley away, it was absolutely awful. There was mm. none of the of that sort of swashbuckling style. We were just getting a pasting, well, which is prob- no fun to watch. So that
2: is, and what Grayson failed to respond to was the fact that his good attacking players were gradually being removed from his abilities to select them. We still, if we'd had Gradle for a lot of the season, it's we'd be better going forward. And so Gradle went housing out, but we were still playing the same way. And I don't mean that we were playing some expansive Barcelona football. It's just that the emphasis was our central midfielders were supposed to be further forward, getting with the attackers and supporting them. Whereas now they're staying right back and looking after the defenders. And so it's just, it's a matter of um, where you're putting them, not necessarily on whether we're playing tiki tacky football it's just, I think Grayson just figured, shoved them all up that end of the pitch and try and play and then they weren't good enough to do it consistently enough. But then at the same time, it wasn't doing terribly. He got us to the fringes of the playoffs. A change is as good as a rest and all that, but I'm not sure how many away nil-nils will be willing to take before people start to wonder if that's as enjoyable right, as it in currently in is. A 0-0 is
4: in a way, 0 0 is better than a way 5 1. Well, but
3: the, th- the biggest criticism of Grayson's uh, tenure was his failure to. Well, he, he sorted the defence out when he first came in, but his failure to subsequently sort it out as it got worse and worse under his tenure. I yeah. think he just so, wasn't that arsed.
1: Hull yeah. are one yeah. of the best sides in the division, and if we were already in the playoffs getting a point there or if we're starting the season, a point at Hull is a fine result. That's, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's only because we're in a position where we're having to chase people down in the playoffs that we're thinking we need to win every game. That's no. Redfern's
2: fault, though. We'd have been several points further ahead if it wasn't for this.
3: Final uh, mention then for the penis formation, um, which we drew on last time. Strangely popular, that. Yeah, it's taken on a life of its own. <laughs> it's amazing own, the it?
2: things you just say without thinking that people pick up on and, and like. If
3: you haven't yet heard this on the last podcast, it's Moscow's suggestion that we are uh, quite wide at the back and we have a a, a long shaft yeah, down the, the middle, central. very central, very and compact. Penet- no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the penetrating Where job. does Lonigan fit
4: in?
2: Uh, he was described as the pubes by somebody on Twitter. Which- oh, okay.
3: Perineum. <laughs> you don't hear that word very often. No. Or it's tent. very, it's it very meant- medical yeah. and... This penis formation mm. has, it's got four layers to it. It's got the back four, the defensive midfield two, the three, and then the one at the top, the head, the point, the tip. Whereas Grayson was very much a fan of, of 4 4 two. And is this newer, more modern, outlooking tactic of getting uh, four lines of players different and maybe a bit better than the 4-4-2, four, four, which we oh. would get, we ge- how many times did we complain or other people do on message boards about house and not our problem anymore, but you know, we're getting overrun in a four-man midfield. We played 4-5-1 most of last year. No, we did, but it's still it was still um, predominantly a line it, it across the f- middle, wasn't it?
2: Well, yeah, we swifting to a 4-3-3, three, three. we had Snowgrass and Gradle backing up Becchio with and bursting yeah, from this midfield. This is a very
3: distinct line at line, set of four lines, isn't it? Whereas that was three across the middle and with two men out wide who could join the attack. It's still three banks of players.
2: I haven't been reading Jonathan Wilson's <laughs> column much of late.
3: I, I mean, I agree with you, by the way. I think the way we're
1: playing now is a more four lines of four. Isn't that what they used to do in like the 1930s? <laughs> we right the, halves and I don't know how you we do. It. Like, don't fuck, <laughs> of okay, I can't remember right well. Hey, listen,
3: well, let's get on to the very big positive yeah, from this four. We've reached our tactical wall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the penis is yeah, no further. Middlesbrough nil leads to great performance on Sunday lunchtime on the telly. Absolutely top draw, professional from start to finish. Overran them against the team in the playoff positions. There's nothing to fault here, is there? With it, we can't at all. Nope, we made them look quite average. We made
2: them look terrible. Yeah.
3: We've I been look-
4: missing a trick.
1: All these teams are crap.
4: Yeah, <laughs> we've been making them look good all season. We've nothing to fear. Unlike Sa- Southampton, we made them look quite ordinary. But it's the teams at the bottom end of the table. We make look like well beaters. Your Coventries, your Doncaster's that we seem to struggle Again, with. Redfern's fault. Frustra- yeah,
3: frustrating because we, yeah. you know, Nero fiddled while Rome burned a little bit, didn't we? Redfern, not Redfern's fault. Is that his,
2: oh, was, I thought his nickname was Redders, Neil Redfern. We should have been calling him Nero. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> he fiddled while Rome burned. Although it was the the directors and the board, obviously, who fiddled, didn't they, while uh, we were losing to, well... Can we say that legally?
2: Oh no! I definitely saw Harvey wanking while in those yeah, three right. games.
4: <laughs>
3: and he sh- got
1: his
4: mug <laughs> on TV as well. Yeah, yeah he did.
2: Yeah, I a bit like sinister that. him, Senator yeah.
1: Lora. I didn't like it.
2: And that's something. Oh god, the people, are, everyone will think they hate Warnock for this, but he's, he's on TV a lot when we're on TV. Every bloody two minutes, have a look, cut to the bench, see what Warnock's doing. Oh, he's chewing gum and shouting at somebody. Then gets his chapstick out no, he, no oh,
3: come on he's charismatic he's good telly he's doesn't, it doesn't mean
2: you have to see him every five bloody minutes i want to see what becchio's doing i think be, again you're
3: getting your knickers in a twist about nothing to be honest you no my knickers, aren't, my knickers <laughs> aren't in a
2: twist about that it's just i mean the the um, it's a thong isn't it i think it's the bbc way they keep lingering for too long on whatever shot it is and when it's a close-up of neil warnock there's only so long, i mean he's not that pretty young man with his hook nose and his borderline mullet And no eyebrows. No eyebrows. But yes, good performance. I do worry that we relied. I mean, it was Justin Hoyt's assist for the second. There's no way that ever should have been a goal.
3: But if you pressurise teams, they'll make mistakes. Yeah,
2: McCormack did great running unchallenged from the halfway (laughs) line.
1: We looked solid and we did create a few other chances. And on the balance of it in the championship, if you do that enough, teams will make mistakes because not... Many of them are any good.
2: I thought we were great. I was amazed at Middlesbrough with that crap, but we were great.
3: Yeah, and I think that's credit to us because we were good as well. It's a two-sided thing, isn't it?
2: I was actually, I was also amazed when I looked at the, I know I, we must have mentioned it last time, but the Middlesbrough are fourth because they've been all season, they've just been win-lose-draw, 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 and somehow they've managed to get up to fourth. So maybe it's an argument that consistency's overrated. No, but I wouldn't like to follow that as a model because it looked like fucking chaos. And also, I mean, Barry Robson, what's him, the story there? Because he's going to play for Vancouver Whitecaps following in... Uh, John, John Styles. St- and John Giles is. Uh, Giles and Styles As well. Not not in the same team. No. I don't think. And I think uh, Beardsley was over there do. as well. Mm. And even perhaps David Harvey. Yes. Although, uh, yeah. Confirmed. I have double,
3: don't have to double check is that, that confirmed? So, no, I didn't play.
2: <laughs> it's, um, so he's off at the end of the season. And so he didn't look particularly bothered. And then he just decided. I don't know actually what he got it sent off out. for. He kicked
3: mm. out. That's what it
2: was
1: for. It wasn't a good value sending off, though. No. 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 It, was it was a, a twitch flick. of the leg. If you're going to get sent off, you may as well go. Danny Mills on Craig Bellamy. Yeah. And just crack him in the side of the shins.
3: <laughs> to, you know, start walking off before even... Oh, yeah, the
1: Get your money's worth if you're going to get sent off.
3: Absolutely. Right, well, um, running out of time on this bit, so let's wrap up the good bits from this.
2: ad White's assist. That was good.
3: Paul Robinson looks like a psychopath. Yes. And we need um, more psychopaths in our team. We've got too, too
2: many, many nice boys. In, when
1: he flew into MNES down in the corner, because everyone in the crowd went, yes! <laughs> and the header off the line as well. Uh, that,
2: especially because like? he was moving backwards yeah. and twisted and has probably put his back out because he's not a young
3: man quick final note from Martin Keown commentator on the BBC if you watch this on the telly in this country barely able to hide his disdain for Leeds United
1: and in particular Michael Brown who hit him in the head with a <laughs> yeah. football
3: not that
2: he's holding a grudge no. with every fibre of his being with he's every not very good, breath
3: though, is he? he wouldn't have been able to do that and he can't run <laughs> And describing was it McCormack as a poor man's Wayne room? I think that was oh, meant as a compliment,
2: but didn't, oh, but didn't Danny Mills then describe Keon as a poor man's Steve Bold at half time? Because <laughs> that must go back to um, Keon's hated leads since Viduca got him by the throat in the tunnel at Highbury, and if you remember, there was also uh, Smith winding up Adams at Elland Road, which was. Um, he basically had the whole Arsenal team hating Alan Smith, much as we all do now. But um, <laughs> but he's uh, transferred that onto Leeds United and Michael Brown. And uh, good.
3: Agreed. If it
1: annoys him, it pleases me.
3: <laughs> Let's start this bit, as always, then, by talking about the ins and outs at Ellen Road and Thorpe Arch. First one in, as we mentioned in the first bit of the podcast, Paul Robinson. Not that one. He's in on loan, 33 years old, wearing number 33 shirt.
1: He said, reasonable signing. I don't think he's a very good player, particularly, but...
3: He was a good player.
1: I think he's been brought in, not for what he can necessarily contribute with his feet, but more <laughs> not what he can shout at people.
3: His fists. Yeah. He I, looked-
1: I would do, if I was another defender, I would do what he told me.
3: I think with the best will in the world, though, you're quite short, so you'd be on the opposite flank, full-back. He's- don't think you'd be centre-half mm-hmm. next to him.
1: I thought I thought you were suggesting I was Alan Wright or something. <laughs> <laughs> i never noticed that resemblance. resemblance actually, actually, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> a specky Alan Wright.
1: Email now, ladies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson did look good against Middlesbrough, didn't he? And uh, I remember him at West Brom, and he, he
2: seemed good enough as a sort of a tough left back then. And you can and he's not been around too many clubs. He's just Watford, West Brom, and Bolton. Is it the only slight worry I have is his talk of signing him permanently? I mean, he's thirty three. Let's get someone better. Or we might, we might at
1: least. get another year out of him, I suppose. We're we a bit like
3: Warnock, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we've, we've sacrificed all sort of long term vision, haven't we? At the minute, it's all about this season and next. Yes, that is really an, that is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> Nearly, yeah, we're, we're teetering on the edge of next season, aren't we already? Yeah. Danny Weber also has come in and looked all right, hasn't he? I mean, just say he's not yeah. played for quite some time. He Must quite admit, lively.
1: When I saw he'd not played for a club for getting on for a year, I was a little bit worried. But he, yeah, he seems. He's perfectly. kept himself fit. He seems perfectly good.
3: And they said on the Beeb, didn't they, turn turned down offers from, what was it, China, Thailand? Qatar. The, the Emirates, yeah, who
2: knows? Whereas, I mean, Nicholas Anelka plays in China now, so you can see this is the kind of class of player we're in for now. Ken wasn't joking when he was talking about Thierry Henry coming to us on loan. Thierry Henry, Nicholas Anelka, Danny Weber. These are the kind of circles we're moving in.
3: Anyway... <laughs>
1: He's probably as good an attacker as we can sign, given it's outside of a transfer window. Yeah. So we can only have free ones.
2: Beggars can't be choosers, and he looks all right.
1: we be hoping to drag Mark Viduka and Rod Wallace back out of retirement or something. There's not much.
2: That was strange when they panned around in um, the Cellnet Stadium yesterday on the BBC. Selnet, uh, um, the big. <laughs> it's not <laughs> been Selnet for ten years. <laughs> the the big banners I've with Selnet. Good <laughs> network. <laughs> you know the big banners with Viduka and Hasselbank. Yeah.
3: There. That was strange. And by by with, the way, kids, the CellNet network is now what you would call O2. And uh, one with
1: Gareth Southgate on as well. You wouldn't
3: want Southgate on a banner. Did that that, that mealy-faced
1: bastard.
2: Yeah, and he, you know, <laughs> another joke about pizza. Hey, I just had a pizza box stand there. That's what that noise was. But um, I never liked Gareth Southgate. Cause he's kind of, he reminds me of um, a kid I knew at school who once said that he liked most modern music. You know, just really bland, non, non-opinionated, just empty-faced Penalty missing, middle spread relegating. Well, that's to his favour. Actually, and that was the other thing that was uh, enjoyable in the commentary when they made reference to Janinho crying at Elland Road while Elland Road laughed. Yeah. so it's good that somebody remembers how we roared and how he sobbed.
3: I am heartbroken. Sorry, that was mine. Sorry? That was me. That was me as Janinho. I was just reliving it.
1: What, what was Ravanella's reaction?
3: I don't believe it. <laughs> Who else, else did And
1: Emerson. Heard him. Was he Brazilian as well? Yeah, it sounded a lot similar like to A bit, same, he, a, bit him. a bit deeper though. He wasn't. Well, he Barrett was a bigger, bigger yeah. man, wasn't he? Yeah. No, I can't. don't believe it. No, that's telling. <laughs> I don't know. That's a bit racist, I thought. Generic foreign voice. Anyway, yeah. that's yeah. all
3: you need to know. A bit racist, anyway. Danny Weber. That's enough about Danny Weber. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He'll do for now. Warnock knows him better than painter.
2: Can he play in goal though? Because uh, that we've got the goalkeeper merry go to Come on, left. Warnock doesn't like them on the bench. Seemingly doesn't like them in the squad. <laughs> Just, I think Lonergan, perhaps, has got to wonder if his place is under threat. He's just not going to play any goalkeepers at all.
1: Speaking of painter, actually, we should... Give a quick mention to his um his one-year anniversary.
3: Well, he scored at Preston, is it? it's more than a year ago now. It, at the time it, was, of the it was a year,
1: year of the day of the whole game, wasn't it?
3: Oh, well, um, it was pointed out to me by Josh Akers on Twitter that, of course, he did score in the pre-season friendly against Newcastle. Pre-season friendlies do
1: not count. <laughs> Unless you're Pelé and you're trying to boost your average. Oh, I, sc- I scored six in that behind-closed-doors friendly. Do not remember it?
3: You couldn't have Pelé spearhead in a penis formation, could you? <laughs> could not. No, not these Bit days. Lim- <laughs> uh, goalkeepers. In and out shaking it all about
2: mostly shaking where a hubka is concerned. My God, what a man he is! It is extraordinary. Consistent. Although, it's yeah. weird, it's isn't it? Because
3: he came in and everyone said oh, he's a solid pro. He's looked solid in preseason, you know. Have before we, we, we have broken him before we got? Because um, he's,
1: he's had years before us. Yeah. Absolutely
3: fine. He got Blackpool promoted. That's why
2: Grayson didn't think you didn't think it'd be a problem. Oh yeah, that guy played a full season for me. Totally solid team got promoted. I'll have him on the bench while uh, Stockdale plays and got, oh, maybe not Stockdale. What, happened, it, I mean, it, genuine,
3: what genuinely happened? Because he, he looked solid in pre season. Then everyone got, was saying, hey, what a solid great backup that is. That's an excellent signing. And then he just, he just went into meltdown. He's got the football equivalent of, of
1: yips that golfers have where they, they just lose it on the putting. he just can't. I bet in practice he's fine, but then he gets on a big stage and he's just saying, like, oh, God, I'm going to drop it. Every time it comes near me, oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, please start, don't, please don't come to us. Please don't come to us. Start oh, thinking, God. About,
3: thinking about what's going on instead of just doing it.
2: I mean, the Leighton Orient debut it was enough, really, in the first half of his first game on loan to Leighton Orient. Outdid
3: did his Blackpool performance
1: in a way. Yep. PB.
2: Yes. Yes. I see what you mean now. Did um, the didn't only, get a man sent off? The only way I shame. could think of outdid was that he would have conceded more. <laughs> oh, that's the perspective I look at from uh, from Rohobka, but. Um, uh, some of the comments on Twitter from just the o- Orient Before fans. Before you can do the Twitter comments, just mm. to
3: explain to anybody who's not familiar with what Rohobka did for Leighton Orient.
2: He went on loan to Leighton Orient and um, first the first half of his debut against... I can't was it against Yeovil? It was against Yeovil, I think. He conceded four goals. Four goals. And uh, salute to Eamon Dalton on Twitter for his uh, halftime tweet that Alex Cairns has gone on loan <laughs> to uh, Leighton Orient. But... Um, yeah, I had a look through. I did a quick search for Rahubka on uh, Twitter at halftime to get the comments in there. One of the most um, cockney comments from uh, at Orient Meat Pie, uh, said, oh, I don't believe it. Dolly Edda from Bevon and Rabka throws it in one. It. it was all true. Do you remember the um, Greg, the sandy-coloured Labrador on there, uh, Vic and Bob? Oh, no.
3: My wife's going
2: to kill. <laughs> Rovka's probably, yeah.
3: You're likening Rovka now to a sandy-coloured Labrador.
2: A, a puppet, right. sandy-coloured Labrador. Um, Possibly yeah, more uh, effective, maybe. Spilled a routine collection seems to be what has happened. Uh,
3: has to be the worst
2: goalkeeper I've ever seen. And the the, um, the hashtag dodgy keeper was uh, associated with him for a while. So that was that was bad enough. But then Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night, you got to put it behind you. He's not going to collapse the way he did after the Blackpool game where he's never seen Allen Road again. He's going, to, he's going back to Tranmere where he spent that part of the season on loan and he's going to, he's going to be solid. Prenton Park, everything's going to be fine, except he's up against the mites of uh, Andy Robinson and Enoch Shawumny. Each got one. No, there's no evidence that either of them were necessarily Rohubka's fault, but I mean Enoch Shawumny scored.
1: No smoke without fire. <laughs> We've got him for another season, by the way. It's he'll be our country. number
2: one next year. Yeah. Lonergan will get a big move.
1: Although, it, we were saying
2: off-air, Lonergan's having a little bit of the uh, Rohubka hands.
3: Only, only a hint. The problem is that a keeper makes one little mistake or one spill and it's highlighted, Rahubka isn't it? doesn't. He'll make <laughs> several. He'll make multiple. You want, three,
1: you want three or four
3: match-losing errors. <laughs> but by and large, your, your average keeper... Normal keeper would make one little mistake like that, spilling it like he did against Middlesbrough Lonergan and it's highlighted because you you notice it, don't you? But you don't notice all the good things that they do. I do.
2: He's a very good keeper. He makes some good saves, but then does some daft things, like just throw it at the feet of the If a keeper does his
3: job, it, it, for example, what I'm saying is, if it's a striker and a striker makes a mistake, you easily forget about the spoon shot or him hitting well, the corner flag or whatever. We
1: were just talking about Billy Payne. So. <laughs>
3: yeah. Enoch Schwumny.
2: I'm not sure how how many times he shrugged off uh, okay, then these I'll... minor errors. Enoch
1: Schwumny falling tree. Bit of skill, I still remember where. <laughs> just, he just had a swipe and toppled.
2: Lonergan's fine Lonergan's a very good keeper It's just uh, It's this um, He's alright Constantly He's not very good. Constantly uh, Pushing it out to rushing attackers He could do with stopping that Just catch the bloody thing He's alright Leave him alone that...
3: Anyway coming in to uh, Pressure him for his place From the arse
2: I don't think It's McDermott And so I just assume It's Redding's manager um,
3: Brian and um, I know we've, had, we've just got rid of one old keeper on loan to Millwall in Mike Taylor. Yeah, so it's just all about keeping going in Brian Might be a little out. bit too old for us now. And
2: we're playing Millwall in the next few weeks. It's bad enough we've given them the like Keos there scoring for fun. If Taylor's there saving for pleasure, fun also. Is there um, just a
4: shuttle bus for keepers going back from Leeds to London? Because <laughs> we've got one from Arsenal and we sent one out to Leighton stone <laughs> good knowledge
2: yeah i'm not sure what Mac- mcdermott's score is because i'm pretty sure i thought he was coming on a youth loan which means he'll only play for the youth team because we did that with some was it a keeper from liverpool
1: i'm getting really bored of all these keepers we seem to <laughs> we seem to go through about six or seven a season that, that turn up don't play or play one game
2: and we generally have good ones like frank fielding who's now brilliant at derby was on loan to us for a while but never played i don't think in that um Who's that Spurs one that we got that never played who's supposed to be decent? Ben. Anik. Yeah. Yes. The one who was... Anik was in...
1: Wanking in the corner.
4: <laughs>
1: that's was that him? Right. Oh, that's oh, one. was that yeah, someone yeah, yeah. else? No, that's the right one. That's the <laughs> right that
3: the one. one? <laughs> yeah. Him of Sunderland and Spurs fame, yeah. Oh, him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. cleared that up then. <laughs> legally yeah, you remember it now <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's as long really as you remember well. it then it definitely happened. <laughs> yeah so young keeper well I mean you wouldn't ship Mike Taylor out on loan with Rob out on loan unless this young lad is it Sean McDermott his name I think so yeah coming in from Arsenal on loan for a month so because Cairns is out on loan
2: somewhere isn't he isn't Barrow is still
3: following hot in the Footsteps of poor Alan Because the,
2: the worry is, I'm totally in favour of not having a keeper on the bench and just, you know, taking your chances with Billy Painter or whoever. Although now Who we,
1: doesn't love to see an outfield player in that it?
2: It's extraordinary. I mean, we we perhaps would love Lucas Radderby half a notch less if it hadn't been for him going in goal. So I'm always happy to see that. But it was raised um, that keepers do, like Lonergan, could that little finger, do we know it's fully healed? And in a Warnock... God, that's, well, that's how's a Freudian the slip.
1: Finger in a walnut. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, is this the penis? Is that an, an enhancement to the penis formation? Well, he's the perineum. A little sneaky, a little sneaky <laughs> finger up there.
2: Do you remember uh, Lloyd Sam's tweet from earlier in the season on on that subject? <laughs> Where on earth are we going with this? We're going with this. If uh, if Lonergan gets injured in the Who's going to massage
1: Warnock's prostate? <laughs>
2: Okay. We're gonna have to sign six more goalkeepers, that's all it comes down to. Yeah, but if you get we can all the recall clauses in the world aren't no good if Keith gets injured in the warm-up and you have to actually start with Billy Painter in goal. I don't mind him coming on in the second half as a replacement for a sending off or whatever, that's fine. But I don't ever want to see us in goal.
1: (laughs) Number nine just William tell, him, Painter, just, uh, <laughs> tell him it's playing in that direction, <laughs> Billy. If it comes near you, get it in. <laughs> <Is> it, <what? laughs> Give away loads of corners. <laughs> is it,
3: Billy? What? Let's move on to talk about the Leeds United Supporters Trust. A couple of angles on this. First one being that the football licensing angle is now being pushed by the government because let's get all technical now. <laughs> You'd be aware that there was the inquiry that was set up by the government. They put together a select committee that carried out uh, an inquiry into football, which was, was it last year? At some yeah, point? it was July last year. Mm. Yeah, and they produced a report which made a number of recommendations, including uh, the fact that football clubs should be licensed, conditions of these licenses to do with supporter representation, talking to supporters groups, amongst many other things, and FA reform. Now, they put forward their report to the football authorities and the football authorities this week ha. have now responded, haven't they? Ha. And said, in other words, we will now take on board... We'll do
2: nothing. We'll, have you seen the FA's response?
3: We will pretty much take on board what you've said and, and put it into place, maybe. <laughs> the FA's response is
2: pretty much... We've had a look through and we see uh, you're concerned about uh, finances, um, supporters... And uh, football creditors rule. Yeah, we don't think any of this is actually to do with us. Uh, Premier League and football league are down the road. It's like they've, they've just thrown up hands and said, "Yeah, football." Did you think it was something to do with the Football Association? Because we're, we're really not sure. We'll concentrate
1: so. on renaming things.
2: <laughs> yeah, We've we've got a we've got to try and find a manager for the uh, for the England team. We're we're concentrated on just begging Harry Redknapp for the next three months. So uh, if you want to talk about football governance.
3: Don't don't look here. Well, the upshot is, more seriously, that they have said they will take on board and carry out the measures suggested at some indeterminate point in the future. Now, the licensing is going to come in for the start of next season, isn't it? Conditions of the licensing is going to be that clubs have to appoint somebody. I think in the Premier League, it's got to be a defined SLO, support uh, Liaison Officer, Mm. and lower down... (laughs) <laughs> and let, and lower down the leagues it's going to be a designated individual but mm. the important bit the important bit we're getting there is that they will have to talk to supporters groups including supporters trusts
2: well, it's not necessarily going to be sports for us because there's that big loophole of saying, "Well, how about?" Because one of the FA's responses was, "We think we think it might be best if the clubs decide which supporters groups they speak to." Not that they've got the likes of, that Sean Harvey is, you know, he's on the board of the Football League and he's perhaps saying they're a terrible bunch these uh, supporters. For us. So it remains to be seen. Who they will actually speak to, from the supporters' point of view, it should damn well be a supporters' trust because they are licensed, uh, democratic, they are run. And this by was this was direct. this was
3: recognised as well in the response. Yes, and react. also because
2: that's what it said in the bloody yeah. report. So now that the FA are passing the book and saying it's now to do with them and uh, Premier League clubs and football clubs are going in. well, you know, we'll, we'll think about it. They're all, you know, but, but what it's it now, got what the it, government behind it. What
3: so. it now has, yeah, it has the weight of government and they've said if the football authorities don't enact these changes, they will do it at a, at a governmental level. So it now gives a bit of leverage for the yes. supporters trust to turn around. And, and again, condition of the licensing is that it gives supporters groups the right to complain and uh, kick up a fuss if the club are not mm. talking to them. So... It opens a door and it will be interesting to see how it plays out.
2: And one thing I don't think it gives a clubs licence to do, or it certainly wasn't one of the recommendations of the report, was that they should ban people who run supporters' trusts from buying tickets uh, to see the club they support, don't remember seeing that in any of the recommendations. No, um, so perhaps Leeds United are ahead of the game there. Maybe they've they've moved forward into something that uh, that, that was just seen as too revolutionary for the football reformers to suggest,
4: or even abused data protection laws by naming people that wasn't
2: mentioned either, and uh, and uh, Ofcom as well by not allowing people the right of reply by just uh, incidentally podcasts doesn't apply. We can say what we want. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you're looking for an exemplary example, an exemplary example of Indeed, how, to, that's uh, a tautology, isn't how to respond to Football supports trusts? I would suggest that Ken and Sean and Peter are kind of going in the opposite direction to the prevailing tide. I think winds prevail more often than tides. <laughs> okay. so tides come in and out every day, but a wind tends to just Blow go in one direction, go in one direction oh. and bring a storm along with it. Perhaps a, a broken down old boat.
3: Interesting that the club, uh, well, i will say the club, well, Ken didn't start slagging off the supporters trust for once this week. He had a week off. Have yeah, given you, do, any- you do wonder, don't you, if it was because this complaint's gone into Ofcom that someone at Yorkshire Radio has finally had the to turn around and say, hang on a second. We're <laughs> probably breaching Ofcom guidelines by giving absolutely no right of reply whatsoever.
2: Uh, have you read the guidelines, lads? <laughs> <laughs>
1: they,
3: yeah, I think we was- didn't think anyone was listening. <laughs> <laughs> Shit.
2: He went big style last week. We had uh, Gary Cooper, the chairman of the trust, talking to us on the podcast
1: uh, foul-mouthed offensive individual
2: <laughs> and it was and um yeah and then it was uh that was the the rant about how nobody's listening to them they make no impression on anybody but themselves that took three and a half minutes and 600 odd words and then we didn't know that this was happening when we spoke to mr cooper but the um board members were trying to buy away tickets and found that they couldn't and were being told to contact ticket services so they contacted uh, sean harvey directly who said instead
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Simple terms. How do you think he talks, Sean Harvey? You're good at voices. I don't know. In, in simple terms. <laughs> we are exercising our rights only to sell
4: tickets to those who we wish to do so, which actually is a like really a cat badly written re- snake. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. That is it's exactly what yep. I
2: intended. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't even make. It doesn't even make sense. In simple terms, we are accessing our right only to sell tickets to those who we wish to do so. He means we only wish to have people buying tickets who we wish to do so because they're not selling the tickets. He's an awful grammarian, (laughs) Harvey. (laughs) Grammar aside. Guy earns £160,000 a year. So grammar aside, the fact that, yeah, the club is now um, saying, yeah, if we don't like you, we won't sell you tickets, which has never been a condition of sale for buying tickets to watch Leeds United before. And I don't particularly like the fact that it is. Whatever you think of... These United supporters trusts. Um, a lot of people joined up with them lately. A lot of people disagree with what they're doing or what they they think they're trying to achieve and perception and whatever. But you can't have a football club going, uh, don't like you. You can't buy tickets.
3: I'm not into slippery slope arguments, but that is a very slippery slope when you start to rifle through your supporter base and decide who is worthy of buying tickets and who isn't.
2: And it follows on um, very quickly from the COP being made members only against the Cardiff. The Cardiff, the Cardiff. <laughs> against <laughs> El Cardiff for the Cardiff game because of some mystical, mythical misbehaviour and against scum in the League Cup, which nobody nobody witnessed, nobody witnessed or remembered. And suddenly, because of our poor behaviour, it's like no non-members can't buy tickets. So it's just, it's not the first time this season that they've just brought this hammer down and said to groups of Leeds fans, "You can't come in."
3: Final word in this uh, section then to you, Moscow, seeing as you love Robert Snodgrass. So he was off uh, playing for Scotland in Slovenia, wasn't he? It was Bob. He got
2: half an hour, well, 29 minutes as a matter of fact. And uh, Which
3: was your favourite minute? God, don't make
2: me choose.
3: <laughs> the one just before climax. That furious, angry minute. <laughs> Do continue.
2: Thinking it for the dirty stopout, which is, um, I think Warnock was, uh, was right to raise this because uh, Colin did make a bit of a fuss about him not getting home until four o'clock in the morning, which um, it doesn't strike me snotty. He doesn't seem like the type for a a late night because whenever you see him, full of vim, vigor, energy, fresh faced always seems uh, wide awake. And then there's absolutely no photos of him around the internet looking absolutely hammered, perhaps wearing a spaceman's helmet, having Jägermeister put down his throat or just generally as if he's been drinking ale all day and at 4am is the earliest he'll get to sleep I think perhaps when Warnock gets to know him better the safest place for him to be could be a, a plane coming from Slovenia between midnight and 4 you know he's with, well perhaps being with a bunch of Scotsmen on i <laughs> uh, <on a laughs> I'll plane. just be
3: honest this is getting worse and worse this section so let's stop there
2: The Squareball Podcast supported by thegeldedend.com Finish was. I think he knew that if he hit it at that part of the keeper's body, it was just going to go under. Part three
3: of the Square Ball podcast. Is this about Snodgrass? Still, Um, he'll be involved in it possibly. If you've anything to do with it, (laughs) you will. Let's talk about the new broom effect. Um, We want to talk about the fact that Neil Warnock's come in and everything seems a bit better than it was. Unless, of course, you're Moscow White. What is it about new managers coming in that seems to turn things around? Why are Leeds all of a sudden looking better than they were? Three or four weeks ago. Because
1: we had red in <laughs> <laughs> It's strange because everyone is praising Warnock for sorting the defence out. But when you think back to Grayson, the first thing he did was sort the defence out. And then somehow it got considerably worse. But then His Richard Naylor had a bad back hmm. and he went,
4: well, sits up. It was
2: Grayson that brought Naylor in. And we all thought, of an inspired signing. Sam Sodji, it was, that was what sorted us out. It's incredible to think back. Naylor and Soji were the two linchpins. And to think now...
1: When did, it, when did it first go wrong with the defence under Grayson? Preston's the first time, or oh, Barnsley? Which was first? Christ.
2: Christ was definitely first. <laughs> Although he'd abandoned us by the time that the Preston and Barnsley games came around. I don't remember. We're supposed to be looking at positivity, not yes. where Grayson went wrong. Did
1: you, McCallus- you, you talk about Warnock. Tell us why he's good.
3: <laughs> but an interesting place to start is the article that was done by the secret footballer in the Guardian newspaper, wasn't it? That's a good starting point. Go from there.
2: Well, they have that a chap in the Guardian who is apparently a professional footballer. And he coincidentally was talking about, he was talking more about because Terry Connor isn't exactly uh, filling Mick McCarthy's uh, big clown boots very well at Wolves. And he was saying that number two's being promoted don't have the same effect as a new manager. And he said, it spoke to what's happening at Leeds United where he said this professional footballer cringes when he hears people say that a new manager has come in and he's got them organised. Because he said what actually happens is the squad has got slack under their previous manager. And now, because the new guy's there and they've got to impress him, they're actually just doing what they were supposed to be doing all along. And that's the effect that you get from a new manager. So there is an element with a new manager coming in where he doesn't actually have to do that much. He just has to be new and everyone will suddenly snap to attention. Whereas before, when Grace was saying, Brownie, get nearer to the defence, he just kind of, you know, it's different when Neil says it, different when Neil says it, maybe that's all it is.
1: It's like when you've been in a relationship for a while. To begin with, you're trying to do everything you can to please someone. Oh, Coronation
2: uh, Street. Yeah, I'll watch that.
1: Yeah, and then eventually...
2: Then you stop washing.
1: A couple of years. Resentment. <laughs> you're not doing anything. You're sat in your pants. Put some trousers on. No.
2: I'll only have to take them off again. What's the point?
1: Shower now. I'll have to have another one tomorrow if I have one now. What's the point? Are you getting married soon? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm
2: not sure wives are as easily easy to replace as football managers.
3: But there is some truth in it. What Wallick seems to have done is uh, come in and give everybody a big metaphoric cuddle, doesn't he? And he's talking the right way to the fans. He's a very seasoned pro, knows what he's saying. It's all very cleverly designed to bring us into it. We all, but you know, he's, he's always talking about let's get thirty thousand in for West Ham, let's get this, let's get that. You've seen the prices?
2: I think part of my uneasiness is uh, is to do with a lot of that because uh, it's it's the first manager we've had since Dennis Wise, and even he was a. Uh, a blip in the post relegation from Premier League era where I've seen him on the telly a lot. And I'm kind of, I've seen him doing, like, I've seen him being witty as QPR manager and doing all these post match stuff. And now he's kind of, he's put a lead stop on, and he's come here. It's a little bit like, um, I'm not sure about the celebrity manager angle because we've not, I mean, David O'Leary kind of built himself up. Kevin Blackwell was,
1: had a magnetic personality. <laughs> well,
2: that's it. And the only other one I think was Dennis Wise was a, a celebrity, but I was always quite proud of the fact that these fans never really took to him, that he was the poison dwarf when he came, he was the poison dwarf while he was here, he was the mega poison dwarf when he went. And so I, I'm a little bit, he does talk a good game. I've quite liked that does seeing help.
1: his interviews because Grayson was increasingly towards the end, you could see he was a man on the edge because he knew every game he was thinking, I'm getting sacked, I'm getting sacked very soon. I Don't know when it's coming, but I'm getting
3: sacked. Somebody remarked and I can't remember if it was Wacko, if it was our forum, that it was nice to see somebody who'd not had some media training doing an interview because all the current managers and the footballers are all given media training. This is you'll ask be asked this sort of question, this is how to respond. And it's just become a game of, of blandness and platitudes, hasn't it? And I think maybe Grayson was a little bit guilty of that. You'd hear his interviews and the build-up to games, you think, Well, I don't really know anything new there. He, well, never, he
1: never knew where to look either. That was always <laughs> I've always found him unsettling to watch. He, never, <laughs> he was always torn between looking at the floor the person interviewing him, the, the camera, <laughs> and it just—it just produced a kind of shuffling child being told off. Eye movement, which was, which is well, not. I
4: don't think it was that comfortable in front of the camera.
3: I no, was just going to gonna say that. He's, yeah, he's yeah, more. You, you look I'm, at Warner, who
1: loves it, doesn't it? Oh he? yeah, well, yeah. I'm so quite it,
4: happy for a, a good coach to be a good coach on the training ground mm. and not be that comfortable in front of the camera. It's not. That's not what it's about, really. But
2: yeah, that confuses me. See, so you didn't. Pleased to see someone who hasn't had media training, but Grayson wasn't slick enough and worn no, is...
3: I no, I didn't say that. I said it was an interesting comment that I saw. Somebody had remarked that, and it's and it's true. It is nice to see somebody with charisma.
2: Oh, natural. Well, uh, yeah. Warnock is slick as hell. He, he knows how to play a camera. I don't think he... he
3: no, but I, th- I think, and I go back to what I remarked. Camera loves him as I well. I go back to what I remarked um, on the last podcast that... You sound like you trying to talk him into
1: taking his clothes
2: off. <laughs> Neil. He's no Bob Scott. Camera brilliant. loves you. <laughs> Neil, this
3: fantastic. This podcast raise, is getting, raise, it's getting too raise, sexual. I think we need to stop.
2: Raise that eyebrow. Oh, sorry, no. we <laughs>
4: will <laughs> have a triple X rating, I think. This I know. But going back to Warnock, I think the players are likely to be more scared of him than they were Grayson if he's going to shout they're going to twist twist.
1: (laughs) I imagine (laughs) him stood with a muzzled Paul Robinson while he's giving his team
3: talks (laughs) threatening him but you do you know you go back to what we were saying earlier about the swearing on the touchline against Middlesbrough and uh, well and Southampton and everyone else that uh, he's demanding stuff. he's constantly making demands of the players because he's got a big personality to do that and they respect him I'm sure there's an amount of fear there as well you know healthy fear that he's going to start driving them onwards and as he said about Southampton, that's the minimum he expects. Whereas how many abject performances have we seen over the last couple of years from Leeds? Good ones too, when we get all the attacking thing right, but you get a sense that they've all had a rocket up the arse and maybe it is the new broom effect.
1: A rocket or a broom up the arse? <laughs> the choice is yours. <laughs> it
2: is, it, there's a kind of, um, there is a relief to, to this because I think... Um, Part of the trouble with Grayson that you were hinting at with him always looking and sounding as if he was about to get sacked is he'd been so embroiled in all the other stuff that was going on that we've quite rightly complained about with Bates over the last seven years. Sean uh, Simon Grayson was fully plugged into that and the whole debate about whether he was backed enough by Ken or not and it was all part of one big thing and that ball of wool has been unravelled by just fucking him off to U- field and having somebody in who... Just is not involved, and although it was it was predicted, oh, I think a lot of the press were like, "Oh, it's going to be Ken versus Colin, ding ding, here we go." There's not been any of that so far. There've been very much. There's not been um, a transfer window either, That's Well, exactly. When it will yeah, maybe happen.
1: It um, might be the honeymoon period. But at
2: the moment, it does feel it feels fresh, and it is it is a relief not to be constantly worrying about Grayson and Bates and their relationship. Would just it's just Warnock and. Um, his man love for Brownie. Yeah, but
4: Warnock has had um, Simon Jordan at Crystal Palace to deal with before.
2: Grayson had uh, the the Oystons who have um, just waltzed out of Blackpool with uh, eleven million quid. Well, and are still in Blackpool with the eleven million <laughs> quid of uh, the football club's money. Chairman the dickheads generally just ours is maximum style.
4: Yeah, yeah but Grayson was
3: almost demoralised from the people above him. Do you not think everything that's happened at the club has completely taken the energy out of it? And I think that's part of what spurred Bates on and. I think what Gary from the Supporters Trust was saying last time we recorded about whether the Supporters Trust has had an effect on the club or not, it's important to recognise that the fans have because the drop-off in season ticket renewals, the drop-off in average attendances, something had to give. And we knew that Grayson was going to be the fall guy, didn't we? It's um, been
1: it's been set up for ages. I mean, we I'm sure we were talking as early as about October on this podcast saying, I wish they'd get on and sat, Grayson, because it is gonna happen.
2: I mean there's a bit of History repeating. I mean, back on the subject of new managers coming in is like the last days of Wilco, where there was some surprise that he actually started that season, although he got backed amazingly by the. Was that when we got Boyer yeah, and I mean, Martin? We bought Boyer Sharp, <laughs> don't forget, and Martin all came in that summer. And um, uh, did he sign Ian Rush? Yeah, Ian Rush, who was being groomed as manager apparently. But um, but there was all even at that point there was a lot of people sort of saying, oh. I don't know how how long he's going to last, and then it was a very switch, very quick switch around. to Wilkinson out one day, George Graham in the next, and that and what was getting out with Warnock's persona is a bit of a Graham thing as well, because he came from London. Well, he was out at work at the time in Ken's parlance, off the off the doll. but um, you know, he he, he was he was, he was associated with uh, um. London and Glary was stroller George and he and I was around just before he left there was um that interview he did with Bryn Law I think where you know when we played Tottenham and uh, they were saying so uh which uh bench will you be on at the weekend then George and he kind of he, he went very seriously he said oh I, I don't think you really need to ask me that and then paused for the cameras to stop filming and then went a eh? gave him a big <laughs> wink and say, "Ha ha ha! You thought you'd get one from me there." And then two days later, he went and managed Spurs. And it, it's it's it reminds me of that sort of uh, big name because we don't we haven't often been managed by big name managers. We don't get involved in that sort of. I mean, it might have been good if we had when Martin O'Neill was chipping around. George Graham was a, a big name punt. Howard Wilkinson was respected in the game, but he wasn't exactly famous. David O'Leary was promoted from number two. Peter Reid was a laughing stock before he came.
3: And when he left.
2: And then prior to that was uh, Bremner, Gray, Clark, all just promoted
3: from within. That was still the overspill of the whole post-Revy. Yeah, it was just our
2: own players. Revy himself was just promoted from the boot room. So we've never, we don't often take this point of going out and getting the highest profile manager around, which is, I think, part of why I'm... Sort of a little uneasy about it, but also at the uneasy. same time, I think thing. it's why yeah, yeah. it's come in and it has given the place a lift because it is an element of just like oh, this guy th- we know about. It. This we've seen him; he's great, he's funny on the telly, and it's and it's all it gives everybody a little bit of a, a lift and an atmosphere, and it's got to be good for the players as well. Because if you're Ad White and you've been managed by you know you've had coaching from Ian Miller for most of your career, suddenly is Neil Warnock, who you know. You're a young man, you watched Match of the Day, and there he was. And now here he
3: is. Never on
2: Match of the Day for long. And now he's putting you on the right wing. But no, that's true.
3: One thing you can say about Warnock, though, is not London glam. He's about as Yorkshire as you can get. And so there are other parallels there with Wilkinson a little bit the strange shaped head, the, the weird head. <laughs> no,
2: there's nothing wrong with the shape of Howard Wilkinson's head. I've had a, a lot of. There's a lot of plasters on it at, at different <laughs> times, but I don't remember it being a particularly old yeah, it, shape. I'm the sort of cantankerous Yorkshireman, bit funny looking, you know. Although he was less show offy than Warnock, his sense of humour I think was often underrated. I think the difference with often Wilkinson accidental. Oh, I think you mm, I don't I've know. Of
4: some, some of the some of those signings. <laughs> Calm <Countin> Palmer.
2: <laughs> the uh, the I recommend to everybody the story in uh, Managing to Succeed that Howard relates himself of him pretending to be Peter Shreves, the Tottenham manager, phoning up Alan Clark, the Barnsley manager, with a bid for David Hurst. Apparently he'd, he'd nearly bought him off him just for a laugh because he was a great impressionist. The major difference between Wilkinson and Warnock is that Wilkinson was a much younger man and he came in with a 10-year plan. Warnock is uh, a very old, well, a, a, much, relatively, a relatively old man. But a much shorter uh, plan. Yeah, with an 18-month plan. Have Um, we not
3: got to a point now, though, where we need that short-term plan? Because we've... We're dwindling. You know, next year is going to be as long as stay out of the top division as last time. So we're getting into the realms of well, yeah, but that was needing how, um, to go
2: up. When we were trying to come out of the division last time, where we'd been down for longer than this, we took a 10-year run at it. It was a 10-year plan to get up very quickly, but then there was something there was yes, something well, else there. Whereas now, and also at that time, our chairman hadn't been alive since the ninth century. And, <laughs> and you know, he's been, been joined by another old...
3: But look, football's changed. The the, the step up from this division to the top tier is not what it was. I mean, for crying out loud, we went up and won the league, you know, the year after we went up, which is, you know, it's unheard of. It's not going to be done now unless somebody comes in with billions and trillions of uh, pounds of oil money, are they? But Wilkinson came in, in, what was it, 1988? We got promoted in in 1990. So that was a very quick, short-term turnaround. And as I said last time about getting in players that he knows... We'll do a job. That's exactly what he did. He went and got reliable old pros in to get us out of this division.
2: Got them all from the division above, though.
3: That's true, but again, as we said... <laughs> and he got them all
2: at their peak as well. They weren't all old pros. I mean, Fairclough was, what,
3: 28? We remember them
2: as old pros because they seemed so I was thinking. Stra- I was thinking of Strachan, to Well, be fair, yeah. yeah, Strachan was uh, the daddy or the granddaddy. But, um, but it took serious cash money to do that. And that's right. One of the things that has changed completely is that the seriousness of the cash money you have to spend has increased in its seriousness compared to then.
4: But that's where I think Bates has crossed the line now by bringing Warnock in. Proven promoter of teams, we're going to need to see a promotion from him before he goes. And the other way <laughs> he's going to do that is spend some money. And I think Warnock will be quite open if he doesn't get the funds to do that. Do you yeah. think we've reached shit or
3: bust point now? Has it has, really I yeah. think.
2: I totally agree with that. I said, I think on some form or other, that if we don't get promoted, it's not going to be Warnock's failure. And he, he won't walk away with his his CV failure at Leeds. It will be let down by the board. That And that, even if that's not necessarily true, that'll be our Warnock will spin it anyway. And it's not going to be like Grayson leaving, where because he's not established himself as a top manager, maybe never will, Bates could say what he liked about him. Can't say what you like about Warnock. He's done it. He's proven it time and time again. And so if it doesn't happen this time, people aren't just going to look at the manager and blame him. People are going to look at other stuff and say, was that in place? And that'll be um, interesting.
3: And it's not often that Bates deliberately places himself in the firing line, is it? Um,
2: no. And if Neil Redfern hadn't been crap, he wouldn't have.
3: In the final part of the podcast, let us talk about the games that are coming up, amongst other things. Uh, The first one on the horizon, West Ham, the Hammers, School of Football, EastEnders. World Cup. London, World Cup. Scotty Parker. Bobby Moore. Moore, All the above. They're coming up to Ellen Road on Saturday. They sold all the tickets as well. They have, which is... 3,000. Well, they're, 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 the well, streets are paved with gold down yeah, there. Yeah, people they, talk or...
2: about the north-south divide. If people living around bloody Upton Park can afford Leeds United West End prices, something's the matter with this economy. And I th- Oh, no, wrong no. podcast.
3: <laughs> and it is looking like a decent crowd. So, is there anything to say, given the new momentum that we've gained in the last few weeks, that we shouldn't go out there and turn them over comfortably?
1: I think Moscow will hate this game. I think
2: Sam Allardyce I'm interested to see how he'll cope with Warnox tactics.
4: <laughs> this is it is going to be um
3: war of
2: quite attrition
4: physical I imagine. I'm looking forward to Michael Brown and Kevin Nolan kissing
3: fighting. Important to say they're unbeaten in seven games since they lost 5-1 at Ipswich who are rubbish. Gives us the hope. To
1: a loss then. They have some fairly poor draws in there as well. I mean look at their wage bill. Jesus Christ. <laughs> how are they not running away with this league? Their wage <laughs> bill must be about five times what ours is and what everyone else in the division is. I mean, how much money does Carlton Cole and, and who else has there They've got? Nolan, Noble, Carew. These players are in fortunes. Is Carew still there? I don't know. I've lost he track of Carew.
2: Um, I do like his name. I like, it's like, I've always liked the name of the animal, Gnu. But um, I think <laughs> whether whatever happens against West Ham after playing Southampton so recently, I guarantee that we will be happier if Southampton win the league than West Ham win the league and I, Southampton win the league won't give me much pleasure either but don't want to see this lot
1: it'd be funny if they didn't go up
2: it would be but well Reading's late surge and Hart inspired tilt at the at the promotion places isn't relevant to our <laughs> uh, our game against West Ham but it's putting the pressure on them I mean I actually I had a, a bet at the weekend I had a double on um, Southampton and West Ham uh, Southampton and Reading both winning and uh, thought about West Ham for the treble didn't bother and they drew just
3: goes to show how great I am at stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Vindicated. <laughs> One note of caution for this game they've now got that bloody Vaz tay from Barnsley who scored against us I don't like him.
2: Yeah, is it it's in my imagination that he always plays well against us?
4: No, he just always plays well
3: against us. Yeah, maybe they
1: have Sol actually because they signed loads of players didn't they, they I don't know what happened to Carew someone look it up if you John Carew <laughs> well, if you're out there broadcasting that is. Absolutely. Have, we, have we signed him back in 2001 <laughs> but yeah I really hope West Ham fail to be perfectly honest because they particularly the, on Saturday the amount of money they've spent on their team is essentially cheating
3: they've actually spent all of Iceland's money haven't they on football <laughs> yeah which isn't admittedly very much
2: if you did a pie chart there's probably more porn money than Iceland money gone into the team
3: I'm not sure about that because they've they not just been underwriting the debt so it's all Iceland's debt and, uh, you can't
2: sell porn and go into debt, can you, surely?
3: No, I mean, the, the, the Icelandics are in charge first, and then the Icelandic so, economy went completely tits up, and then, then, porn bail- and then them the up. porn barons came in and, and underwrote all the debt.
2: So Iceland's government is now made up of tits?
3: I think it may be vibrators and things like that. That's, that may be what's happened.
2: Vibrators and things like that.
3: Yeah. If you're an Icelandic listener, get in touch. and <laughs> sorry. Yeah, let us know if your economy is propped up by sex toys. And they've got Big Sam, and he's like Warnock. I guess um, it, you know when Warnock's not on your side, you don't like him. When he's on your side, you, you like him and, and even tolerate him. But Big Sam, he's a. I uh, just.
2: I'd find Fat Sam hard to tolerate if he was here, harder than Warnock particularly. C- because
3: you know, I, the thing I don't like most of all is that headset. And someone's put here in the notes. Yeah. Well, this is it. Warnock is not Bluetooth, Bluetooth enabled. Bluetooth enabled, yeah. And it reminds me of those tossers that you see walking around the supermarket with the Bluetooth. Earpiece in, Just chewing gum. That's yeah. Sam's combination as well. And it's Probably Mondeo drivers.
1: It's a nine as well. Sorry if that's you, because you know you've seen the way his teams play. Yeah, there's really nothing. There's really no need for all these backroom staff and all these systems. Just leathering it forward is about as old-fashioned as it gets.
2: See him on the touchline. Oh, I'm getting a message
3: through from the stands. They, they say we should knock it long,
1: lads. <laughs>
3: Listen to this. It Les.
1: Hey, Les, over the top.
3: Anyway, before we get to uh, Tangenital, what's going to happen? Are we going to win? Yeah. we're going to win. I think we're going to win. Again, I'm riding at the crest of an optimistic A moral way. win
1: or an actual win? No, A an actual, actual win. Actual, <laughs> I think
3: of the three games that we've got on the sheets here, we're going to win all three.
1: Moral playoff contenders.
3: Yep, that'll be us. So we're going to beat West Ham. Then we've got Forrest at home on the Tuesday. Speaking of morals. <laughs> this would be Cubs. our... This will be a reference to the mining uh, strike of the 1980s. 1984 to 1985, I believe. Uh, Who let the miners down? Nottingham? Yes. Yeah. Um, They're um, teetering on the edge of the relegation zone. Again, it'd be bloody horrible if they stayed up at the expense of someone else's points deduction because they went up at the expense of our points deduction from League One, didn't they? True. (laughs) Good point. Well made. Football's broken, isn't it?
2: You can't just base your uh, promotion plans around that kind of thing or your relegation plans.
4: They have improved
1: considerably since we beat them, but then that's not saying a great deal, given when we beat them, they were probably the worst side we've played this year.
2: There was some gushing uh, around... About Andy Reid on the Football League show, basically Leroy senior saying, "Seems we've lost a bit of weight."
1: They do. Seems lost there, that. a little they bit. Just, they just pick yeah. on the players that they heard of.
2: Uh, and it's because actually, um, fat Andy Reid, who hasn't lost any weight as far as I could tell, just smashed one in at the top corner from about forty yards, and so a, which he's no, always
1: he's, been able. He's to looking do. back to
3: his best. Yeah, you don't have we've to. Be got enough the run. muscle there. Hasn't they? Well, bulk
1: enough of something.
3: What sort of form are they in? Then they've been a bit better lately. I mean, they beat Birmingham away, which is a, a decent achievement.
2: Were they bottom at some point? They were right down there. And I think Coventry being absolutely terrible is helping their cause. So uh, double thumbs up, Gary McSheffrey. McSheffrey. Oh, did he you is, see yeah. that?
3: It was a really good goal by Gary McSheffrey. good player, actually. I yeah, I've, I've always liked him. I always thought he was going to do well. well yeah.
1: mind if, he was just mismanaged by Grayson. And if someone like Warnock got hold of him. If only was.
3: you could see the glares that are uh, emanating from Moscow right now in this podcast, anyway, winding him up. We should beat Forrest. That's not to say that we will. But again, under the newfound optimism and drive and persistence and battering ram approach of Neil Warnock. We'll beat him, won't we? Because yeah. this will be the second win out of two in a matter of days at Ellen Road.
2: The feel-good factor if we win both of these will be, I'm sure, it may almost affect me slightly. Goodness me.
4: Imagine. I'm looking forward
3: to uh, Michael Brown. Kick the fuck out of Andy Reid. <laughs> <laughs> then on to the following Saturday, we journeyed down to Bermondsey a shithole dock part of south-east London, to play Millwall. Ah, oh, tedium, tedium, tedium. Who right. loves their mums more between <laughs> West Ham and Millwall? Um, the Galatasaray supporters club, yeah, we've seen it all before, well done.
1: Well, we've man. all been on our inkjet printers over the week and we've all printed off little flags.
3: the Keogh's going to score then, isn't it? Yeah, Keogh will
2: score. Yeah, um, I was amazed at this. Seven, seven games, four goals.
3: Is that the stat? Yeah. Crikey. And
2: just to reiterate... Andy Keogh, seven games, four goals. I don't know where that's come from. We forgot um, to mention Rob Green at West Ham. I think, uh, you know, Warnock's been bigging up Brownie going forward. It's your goal. Shoot. Shoot.
1: He got quite a lot of stick in the away game Did Green, actually. A fair bit of uh, you let your country down (laughs) and all that business. So, same again.
3: (laughs) Yelling it at Mike Taylor. (laughs) I'm all for psychologically damaging footballers. I think it's a good pastime. Uh, Millwall, they're actually lower down than I thought they were. They're 19th, just above Forest. It's right down near London. Oh, yes. It's a geography joke. (laughs) Darius Henderson, I've heard of him. He's scored 13, five assists as well. So say the stats here.
2: Yeah, and the the other thing their their stats say is that in their last six games, they've had two 3-1 defeats and one 3-1 win. So almost 50% over, no, exactly 50% (laughs) of their games have finished 3-1. So... Betting fans. We're going to win 3-1. Or lose 3-1. We're going to win. We might draw 3-1. We'll win
3: all three of these games. Uh, They won
2: 3-0 in one of the other games as well, so three is the magic number.
3: (laughs) Yes, it (laughs) is. Where Millwall are concerned. Yes, it is. All in all, these nine points that are up for grabs, would we be happy with seven? Do we want nine? We need seven. We need nine, really.
2: We're still recovering from Redfern. He's left us needing more than perhaps we would be comfortable with from this. I think it's a case of getting through... West Ham, and then just seeing what happens. Because I don't quite share the confidence. And I wouldn't, whatever, because they're a bloody good team, really, aren't they? So we have to worry about that Three one.
4: Three points against West Ham, and I can see a new members offer coming out for playoff
3: tickets. <laughs> oh, you cynic you. And that would come from the chairman's office, no doubt. Which, no doubt. What a beautiful segue into the next part of the... See what I did there? Next part of the podcast, which is the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award. This award, if you are a regular listener, you will know... Goes to somebody who has contributed to the ongoing misery of being a Legion United fan. Nominees for this fortnight, where else to start but Ken himself. What's he getting it for this time? Banning
1: people for supporting their team yeah. in a way yeah. that he doesn't approve of. Not in a, not in a way that is upsetting anybody else apart from him.
2: And the children that write to him. Can we nominate the kids? I, I mean, I personally don't believe they exist, but the nine-year-old and seven-year-old that wrote to Ken Bates complaining about Leeds United sports for non-existent rudeness. Nominate them. Ken Bates full of the fortnight. Better than expect that when he got the no, cranes I'd out that morning. <laughs> yes.
4: Do Go clean his chimney. <laughs> That's all he'd have you doing.
3: And not coming to see his team play because he doesn't want to pay any taxes. Of course, yeah. I can't stand these absentee owners who have That's stooges right. in place running their clubs from afar.
1: He doesn't like... Um, he's quite often going on about the wasting of the tax money as well, um, which he doesn't pay.
3: Have nothing to do with him.
1: At least he's not a hypocrite. It he refuses funny. to contribute to that pot What that is he's funny, wasted.
3: What is funny, on a genuine point there, is one of his... Uh, lines of attack in the programme and in his uh, state radio address is always about people's attendance records yet he must see fewer than 20 games a season and yet it's free for him no he, no, he yeah. must charge himself for a ticket because he doesn't take a penny yeah Correct. he's got to he's got to
2: but he, he has overseen the building of a brand new presidential suites for himself in the best seat in the ground. So the least you could do is turn up when we're playing like crap under Redfern. We actually said before we got to this bit that we didn't have much fun Bates this week. <laughs> so much <laughs> yeah, bitterness. Right um, so
3: uh, do we want to lump... Har- do you want to staple Harvey to Bates? Oh, I'd love to. Because com- he sent the email, didn't he? Too, yeah, yeah, they
2: kind of come as a package.
3: Right, and so, speaking of bitterness... So Bates, Harvey and children. Okay. Uh, speaking
2: of bitterness, Martin Keown for his, uh, his commentating efforts against... For Leeds against Middlesbrough, what a bitter, bitter, bitter bastard! No, you could almost—I mean, you could—can you hear somebody's shoulders tense up through a microphone? Because with every mention of Michael Brown hitting him in the head with a football, you could almost hear that <sighs> just coming out of him. And he—I he, don't know—he's a was barely hating bastard,
3: barely disguisable, wasn't it? His just disdain for Leeds United
2: uh, you, because uh, Leeds United score, and Keon's reaction is. Yes, quite lucky with the finish there, I suppose. Well, the referee, he's not changing his mind. Oh, no, it was, he ruined uh, what was. Uh, well, he helped to ruin what was quite an enjoyable game. So, Martin Keane, at least though, uh, when he's commentating, he's not in the studio at half time, so you don't have to look at him.
3: Did you notice as well in the box just how much makeup Craig Holland seemed to have on? Matt Holland. Matt Holland, sorry. I couldn't recognise him.
2: I didn't know who it was. I thought it was. Um, What's his Very face? Madness. I was going to say um, the guy who plays Lily Savage out when he's not in drag. Paul O'Grady. Yeah, I thought
3: it was Paul O'Grady
2: sitting there. And it turns out it's Matt Holland.
3: Um, on the Middlesbrough game, do you want to give it to Barry Robson as well for his dirty, kick-out, lunge, horrible tackle kick? <laughs> that was just a stream of words.
2: He didn't deserve the red card, um, and he doesn't deserve this either. So I suppose, yes, he's definitely, yes, got, definitely. got to be nominated.
3: You're, you're in, Barry. Who else can we nominate from the last fortnight? You, Moscow, because you've been miserable. You're not getting on
1: board with all this positivity. We're on a march. Yeah,
3: You're definitely getting lumbered with this uh, nomination. In terms of the games we've played in the last couple of weeks, is it worth giving Kelvin Davis of Southampton a a nomination for... Not necessarily something negative, but don't forget this is somebody who has contributed to our misery and he made us lose by doing his job really well in goal for Southampton. Mm -hmm.
2: Stick him in the... Same with um, Nick Barnby by ruining the night of everybody who who went to Hull or even thought about Hull or even um, went anywhere happened to just glance at a map and remember that Hull existed. Anybody who's been
3: near the fish counter in Morrison's.
2: I wanted to go double-barreled with Barnby because it, it just brought back to me that while we we're enjoying our new manager and uh, the you glorious, don't seem to be the glorious <laughs> boost that it's given us and all the happy days that are resulting, we have uh, venerables coming in where there was a little bit of positivity. I mean, he managed Barcelona. How that bad Christmas can he be? Tree. Think of that
4: Christmas tree! Yeah, it's yeah. going to be
2: brilliant. And then, uh, bang! Nick Barnby turned up. And, oh,
3: for fuck's sake! England international.
2: Yeah. Thirty
4: thousand pounds a week.
2: You've got. I mean, it's weird with Barbie. This Can I just say, by whole. the way,
3: this is supposed to be from the last fortnight, and you're harking back to Terry Venables.
1: Can I just mention about Venables as well? It's just reminding me on the old Squareball site many years ago, but in about still 2004, before we'd taken it over. It's worth saying there was still a T-shirt section on there, and there was a mock-up of um, of an internet search result, and it said the search was the man to bring success back to Leeds United. One result found Terry Venables. <laughs> You could still buy that T-shirt in about 2004. Blimey! Didn't sell many.
3: Anyway, so I Nick Barnby. Nick, Bar- Bar- Bambi had one. Nick Bambi and by proxy Terry Venables for something that happened many years ago. Once- the
1: Sharing them as well. He can. He can. <laughs> Demon Venables used to
2: be. Uh, and Darren Anderton for uh, Yep, Darren b- Anderton because he was he was always coming, wasn't he? He, he always ruined that season with the spectre of him being about to be signed at all times. could he
1: just passed that medical. He I was, been
2: here. I always felt it was a bit harsh on venerables that part because people always used to go bloody venerables come to the signing shit like Barnby and Anderton he <laughs> never did sign Anderton but it was always he held to, against him he Fucking wanted <laughs> you to. could see it
3: in his eyes and finally then the final nominee Craig Levine for keeping your precious Robert Snodgrass keeping,
2: if anybody should be keeping Robert Snodgrass up all night it should be me
3: so the nominees just for talking though this fortnight
1: <laughs> while you play the Ben Hannock role in the corner <laughs> <laughs>
3: Right, so the nominees are Ken Bates and Sean Harvey and some children, ostensibly for banning the LUST board members from buying tickets for away matches. Keown for his ridiculously biased commentary against Middlesbrough. His biased
2: face. I think his face was leaning one way as well. Barry
3: Robson for being sent off and not really deserving it. Kelvin Davis for being good at his job. Barnby and Venables, and half the old Spurs team. I'm not quite sure why. Moscow, you get a nomination as well. Quite an extensive list this time for being a negative bastard. And (laughs) Craig Levine gets a nomination for keeping Snoddy out all hours. Who's going to get it? That'll be Venables, Anderton.
2: I was going to say Keown, myself. We do have a lot of... um, Should we just give it to the City of London? Because Keown, Arsenal, we've got half the Spurs team. We've got West Ham and Millwall coming up. Barry Robson's kind of got a cockney name. Bates is from uh, bloody... Uh, Walthamstow, although he can't win, let's give it to L- the city of London. Oh, and predating dating the uh, Galatasaray <laughs> stuff that we're going to suffer from Millwall. Well, get the next, retaliation next, in first. The, that's the next. Sport, I get then? the retaliation in first. We won't dignify them with a response, but we'll outfox them with a uh, preemptive strike. Or who should we give it to?
3: Moscow White. Well done, Moscow White. You take home the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award, if there was an award. War we'll the- Knockout. Right. Any other business, final bit of the podcast. I want to say a quick thank you to MJ Mowbray, who's been doing the article for us around all the grounds of Yorkshire. If you haven't read this yet, it's in the fanzine this year. We're in right across the season. He's trying to visit all the 66 grounds in Yorkshire. I think it's in the top seven tiers of football. So he's trying to do all the grounds in Yorkshire, all while following Leeds United home and away. It's quite the an top achievement. Top tier
1: would be wasting his time.
3: Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but <laughs> anyway, he went off to Whitby for one match, and he has given us some Whitby rock. So thank you very much, Mr. Mowbray. Is Where is it? Yeah, you're, uh, It's around. in my bag. It's in my bag. we will pass it around He's given giving you end. some rock. I'll pass it around at the end. Right.
1: You're nominated.
3: <laughs> Too late. There's there's no uh, retrospective action. Do we want to say thank you to somebody for this Rattles packet?
1: Oh, yeah. We said thank you the other week, but then I've had it in my car since. Um, we finally it. thank you to Katie Burton for your for your for your peanut slab I say That's, that sounds <laughs> I'll say no more
3: <laughs> yes we did mention last I time in front of me a Polaroid picture <laughs> it's, a, it's a type of it's a type of New Zealandy chocolate, chocolates we believe uh, so thank you very much for that okay your peanut slab finally we have to say oh this is this podcast has been a disgrace finally we've got to say happy birthday Somebody, it since it's um, a special one and it's on a special day—Big Paddy's Day, St Patrick's Day, seventeenth of March. That's right. They haven't um, moved it yet, have they? Not yet. <laughs> Darren Aveyard, happy fiftieth birthday! Yeah, Fifty many happy glorious 50th. years. Wow, half He's, a century,
2: not out. Noted writer for the Squareball Magazine, and uh, and so we're, we're as willing to wish happy birthday to one of our own. And we hope, uh, hope the. the Post-50s are as successful as the the first 50 years Let's hope
3: for another 50 years. Yeah, great stuff. Telegram from the Queen, halfway there. Right then, we need to get going. So I'll mention quickly about issue eight of the Squareball magazine. We are putting it together as we speak. That's going to be out for the West Ham game on Saturday. Handful of copies left of issue seven. If you want to get your hands on those, do it at the ground on Saturday. Otherwise, go to the squareball.net where you can buy the magazine in paper or digital download format. We are now done, I think. We will be back in another fortnight or so. Don't forget to get in touch with us. We would love to hear from you. Podcast at the squareball.net for email. Tweet at the squareball. Get over on Facebook as well. That's us, I think. Let's go back out into the evening. Goodbye from me. Bye from Michael. Goodbye. Goodbye. Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We'll speak to you again in two weeks. Bye bye. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. <laughs>